welcome back to There Are Three of Me, Season 5. I'm still Gabrielle Lawson. I'm still Philippe Delamatruc. And I haven't been Ina Coriel for a while, but, you know, I still count her. So she wrote the Lord of the Rings stories, and I haven't written one since the early 2000s. Philippe Delamatruc has two whips in the works. Gabrielle Lawson still has one, and instead she's been writing a bunch of, of Marvel Cinematic Universe stories. I'm at 11 at this point. You've heard eight of them. Um, I've written three more. I've written a sequel to the first pieces, so that was a standalone story, not part of a, se of a uh, series. Now it is part of a series, The Time Between. It is the first part of The Time Between, and Learning to Live is the second part. And his greatest achievements is part of the making of the Winter Soldier, and yet it's not from Bucky's point of view. So it can't really go into pieces of of uh, the puzzle because pieces to a puzzle is is either present time stories or the written stories that Buck that Bucky wrote, which is the asset, the next stage, and strong. Um. He didn't write or couldn't have written his greatest achievements because it wasn't from his point of view. But I did reference it in Learning to Live. I did add to the stories of pieces to a puzzle, and I was able to then work strong into it after the chapter that referenced it. Um, so basically, Bucky wrote it down after. And that was um, Standing Watch, I believe, is the present time story. And then there's Strong. And then I have a story called Cat Catching Up, which does have a bit of angst in the beginning, but it's actually a fluffy story. Yes, Gabrielle Lawson wrote a piece of fluff. Fluff, in fan fiction terms, is a happy story. Stories are driven by drama. Drama is driven by conflict. There's not a lot of conflict in a fluff. Fluff stories don't have content you know they just make you happy and they make you smile um catching up is a little bit of a wistful smile but it has a smile and i do plan some other fluff for um the bucky series um pieces to a puzzle anyway he's not going to have much reason to have any fluff in the making of the winter soldier um and the time between is finished with these two stories because it takes us from the end of uh, Captain America Winter Soldier to the first scene with Bucky in or first two scene yeah, second scene because yeah, he was in the market and then he's you know Steve is in his apartment and I take it right up to when the SWAT team breaks into the apartment and stop but that's in Civil War so it covers the time between Bucky's involvement in Captain America's Winter Soldier and Bucky's involvement in Captain, Ameri uh, Captain America Civil War. So there you are. So there won't be another story to that series because that's in the movie. <laughs> so it doesn't need to be you know, written by me. Um, so what I've decided, because my last episodes in my last season were quite long. Um, one of them was almost two hours long. And that was the chapters of that story close to home so far away. It was quite long. I'm going to read instead one of my, well, my other, The Young Writer's Story, which has 
shorter chapters. <laughs> In fact, quite a bit shorter, so you'll find this episode is not nearly as long as those two. And I don't think that the other eight episodes will be as long either. So I think you're in for nine episodes of, of a much shorter nature. But this is a young, the young writer's story. This, um, I will set the stage, but I do want to point out that I did read another, the young writer's story, a short story that was called the hardest thing. And that's when Buck wanted to ask teaspoon if he could stay, but he was afraid of rejection. Teaspoon thought he wanted to say that he was leaving, but he really wanted him to stay. And they finally get it together at the end and figure out that they both want what each you know what the other wants as well. So that story is not related to this story. Now in Angel, I have two stories, a short story, a long story, and in The Young Writers I have a short story and a long story. With Angel, they're related. In Close to Home, so far away, we know that Harry um is in it. Harry was told by Angel that Doyle was dead in Just a Messenger, and that is the backstory for Harry as far as I'm concerned. So it's in close to home. The hardest thing is not in the journey. It's standalone. It has nothing to do with it, even though it happens at the same relative time as the Pony Express is winding down, but it's not part of this story at all. So this is a separate story, and I hope you will enjoy it. It is nine chapters long and they are fairly short and uh, yeah I think it's a good one let's get ready for the journey it wasn't that she was unhappy being married to kid she wasn't she loved him but it was a big change going from Pony Express rider to wifely duties she'd gotten used to the excitement of the speed the danger of riding cooking and cleaning just couldn't compare especially when Kid was off on a ride and she was stuck at the station. She watched Buck grow more and more sullen after Ike's death, especially as the express started to wind down and the warrant back east to wind up. They'd lost more friends, to the war or to death, and the foundation, the glue that had brought the rest of them together, was beginning to wear out. They all knew the end of the express was coming. They just didn't know when. Lou had had a lot of time to think lately. She found housework to be quite conducive to thinking. Everyone else had something or someone. With the express business wind dwindling, Teaspoon was spending more time marshalling. Rachel had the school and helping other ladies in town. Jimmy spent all his off hours with Rosemary. Kid had Lou and the express. Lou had Ki only had Kid and Buck only had the express. So Lou had decided, for each of their sakes, that she and Buck should also have each other. She needed a confidant, and Buck had always been a great listener. He needed a friend, a close one, like Ike had been. So Lou had taken upon herself the task of loosening the armor Buck kept around him. She knew there was a lot more to him than he let them see, like an iceberg that lets only its tip float above the surface of the water and keeps its bulk below the waves. How about it? she asked, reminding him of her offer. He stopped and turned toward her. Why is it so important to you? She searched his eyes carefully to see if he was angry, but she didn't see any suspicion there. I want to be your friend, she answered, realizing too late how silly that sounded, like a schoolgirl wanting to play after the, after the bell rang. You are my friend, he told her, but that doesn't mean you have to read my mail. Lou sighed. He was going to be hard to crack, but then she'd known that before she started. I want to be more of a friend. 
Buck sat down at the table and took off his hat. The kind that reads by mail? he asked, raising one eyebrow in mock confusion. Lou couldn't help but chuckle. At least he wasn't mad. Yet. No, she told him, forcing herself back to seriousness. The kind that you talk to, the kind that knows what's going on in your life. Now he sighed and looked down at the table. You do know what's going on in my life. I ride the mail. I do chores. What else is there? Lou retrieved the plate of sandwiches she'd made earlier from the counter by the sink and set them down, sat down across from him. Plenty, she replied. I hardly know anything about you from before the express, like how you grew up or where you learned the English. You never tell those things. I think Ike knew, though. Buck had started to eat one of the sandwiches, but now he tossed it back on the plate and stood up. Lou knew she'd pushed, pushed too hard. You can't be a friend like Ike, he snapped. Then he added in a softer voice after he turned away, no one can. Lou got up and rushed to where he was looking out the window. I know, I'm sorry. I don't want to replace him, but I want to know why he was special to you, why you meant so much to him. I want to know you like he did. Buck didn't turn back to her. His voice was quiet, unsure. None of that is in this letter. Lou watched him carefully to see if he'd stiffen or move further away. No, but whatever is in that letter made you happy. I could tell. Buck's shoulders softened and he turned around, leaning back on the windowsill. You're going to pester me all evening, aren't you? Lou realized that by giving in, he was really putting her off. Still, she'd pushed too hard already. She was grateful for even this small tidbit. I've got not nothing better to do and no one to stop me, she teased back. Kid was delivering a special pouch to Fort Kearney and wouldn't return for another three days. Jimmy was off on a run. Teaspoon was in Seneca for a trial, and Rachel was helping Mrs. Nelson with her new baby. Lou was the only one at the station except Buck, and he had a run the next day. With a flourish, Buck pulled the letter from his breast pocket and handed it to her before retaking his seat at the table. Lou was suspicious. He'd given it up too easily. Still, she was curious. She opened the letter carefully and focused on the words and they made absolutely no sense. What is this? Kiowa? She asked, assuming Camille had written out the Indian words with English letters. Buck shook his head. Lakota. Lou was frozen for a moment, and he knew he surprised her. She finally moved, walking slowly over to the table where he was. Her mouth, was, mouth still hung open, all of her playfulness gone. Buck wasn't sure why he'd given in. It really wasn't just to stop her pestering him. Telling her the language would only make her more curious, not less. But to be honest, he had missed having someone to talk to, to really talk to, now that Ike was gone. And Lou was maybe the one that could understand him best, stuck as she was in a man's world that didn't allow her to play an equal part and still be herself. This letter, then, would be a test. He still didn't feel ready to open up every secret, but her reaction would tell him how far he could go in trusting her. Eagle Feather, she breathed as she sat down, and Buck liked that she hadn't said Jenny Tompkins. Then the shock on her face disappeared into a dazzling smile. She held the letter she handed the letter back to him. What does she say? How is she? She's unhappy, Buck told her, carefully choosing his words. Her aunt is trying to force her to change. She's going to leave. Lou's smile left, and she now looked concerned, except that there was a certain gleam in her eye that he couldn't quite figure out. Where will she go? 
Buck took a, a long breath, trying to prepare himself for whatever reaction Lou might have. She wants to come here. To live with her father. Buck watched her closely. He shook his head. It took a moment, but Lou's eyes grew wide. She took a quick breath in surprise. Here? Here? She asked, pointing down hard on the table. Buck nodded and left it at that for now. Her reaction would not only tell him about her, but it would also give him an idea how the others would take the news, if indeed he decided to bring Eagle Feather here. Lou started to stand up in her excitement. That's wonder. She stopped and dropped back into her seat. She folded her hands on the table and forced the excitement out of her face. Buck appreciated that. When is she coming? Buck took another deep breath. She may not come at all. Lou's shoulders sagged. Why not? Because it's up to me, Buck told her. I'm supposed to meet her stage in St. Joe tomorrow afternoon. If I'm not there, she'll find a place for herself somewhere else. Lou reached over and took his hand. But she'll be there, right? You were happy to get the letter. You liked her. She can appreciate you, all of you. Why wouldn't you go? Buck stood up and walked back to the window. On the one hand, he felt just like Lou said, and he was encouraged that she hadn't teased him or balked at the idea. But, as usual, things weren't always as easy as one wanted. It's not that simple, Lou. I hardly know her. She only knew me for, what, a week? And what would the others think? The townspeople? Tompkins? She's his daughter, and you know what he thinks of me. The townspeople don't matter, Lou said, jumping up behind him, and Tompkins can go to hell. The others will be happy if you're happy. She's leaving her aunt one way or the other. If she comes here, she'll get a chance to know, you'll get a chance to know each other. See if it will work. If she goes somewhere else, you'll never know. Buck wanted to negate all his arguments as easily as she did. He hadn't wanted Eagle Feather to leave when she had. He'd felt a connection with her, and Lou was right. While other white women ignored him or turned away from him in disgust, Eagle Feather had appreciated him, Indian half and all. She loved her people like he loved his. How many chances did he have with a woman like that? But his fears didn't fall away as easily as that. Buck was careful to try and avoid trouble when he could. It found him easily enough on its own. But this would just be asking for trouble. Tompkins would be beside himself, and the rest of the town would back him. And Teaspoon, Rachel, and the others might see it as too forward. It generally wasn't the white way to go about things, though it wasn't unheard of in the Indian world. I have responsibilities, he said as an excuse, though he also hoped Lou would shoot it down, as she had with his other arguments. I can do your chores, she offered quickly. It's nothing I didn't do before I was married. Buck turned around and met her gaze. She was sincere. He could tell by her eyes, the energetic way she stood there, like a rabbit waiting for just the right moment to bound away. I have a run tomorrow. I'll take it! She had barely let him finish his sentence. Buck, you've got to do this. You deserve a chance to be happy. I'll take the run. I miss it anyway. Her excitement was starting to spill over into him. Maybe it would be like she said. It didn't have to mean love forever. It could be a chance, though. One he hoped he'd have back in Sweetwater before Eagle Feather had rode away on the stage. But there were still obstacles. What about Kid? Lou felt her face flush hot. I'm not some ch fragile China doll, she snapped and held up her left hand. I didn't forget how to ride or shoot just because I put this ring on. She let out her breath slowly. It wasn't Buck's fault Kid was so irritatingly overprotective. 
Besides, she said, more calm now, Kit's not here. He won't even have to know. If you leave right away, you can meet the stage and be back by Saturday. Her mind had been racing since he first mentioned the stage, working out just how it could be done. The run will put me back here Sunday morning. Kid won't be back until that afternoon. What about Jimmy? He was stubborn, but he had hesitated in speaking just then. She could see it in his eyes, a glimpse of the vulnerability he hid so well. He was arguing, but he wanted to believe it could be done, and she wanted to help him. Jimmy is blind to everything around him these days, she reminded him. We have to remind him when he has a run, and don't worry about the others. Teaspoon's not due back until Sunday either, and Rachel was going to be gone at least that long. It's just you and me, until you get back with Eagle Feather, of course. She sat, he sat down on one of the bunks and clasped his hands together. You really think this is a good idea, that it could work? Lou plopped herself down beside him. Not if it was just you, she teased as she took his arm. But with me as your co-conspirator, nothing can go wrong. Okay, let's set the stage. We are again toward the end of the series in this story. So some of the characters at the beginning of the series are no longer around at the end of the series. Ike has died. Um, Jesse um, ends up going back to his brother. Um, oh, I'm sorry, I can't remember his name. There was a, a black writer that joined a freeman, a free, um, free Negro. And he got killed. J Jamie's been hanging out with a, um, a b abolitionist. And Cody is joining the army and such. So things are kind of in a disarray as for this station with um, the writers. The, the family they've made. And it's toward the end of the Pony Express, but it doesn't have anything to do with the teaspoon buck thing that the uh, hardest thing has. Again, they are not related stories. They are two separate stories uh, for the, this um, fandom. All right. The Young Writers, The Journey, a novel by Gabrielle Lawson. Disclaimer. I don't own any of the characters you've heard of before. The series and setting aren't mine either, but the situation is of my own devising. Author's note, there are two possible historical inaccuracies in this story. One is minor, and the other would drastically alter a major plot point. I have tried to find out if they are inaccuracies, but have been unable to prove it, which is both good and bad. Good in that I don't have to change the story, bad in that I do like to be historically accurate. Be that as it may, the young writers, as shown on TV, was not always historically accurate either. All right. Prologue. Dear Buck, I hope this letter finds you well. My father has mentioned you in his letters. Well, not you, but Teaspoon and the other writers. That's how I know you aren't in Sweetwater anymore. My father writes me once a month. I never answer his letters. Maybe I should, but it hurts to know how much he hates our peoples. I can't separate that. From the love he sends in his letters. He doesn't want to know the part of me that is Lakota. No one does. Aunt Sarah especially. She took my moccasins and doeskin dress and threw them into the fire. She forbids me to pray to the spirits and drags me with her to church every Sunday. That's one of the only times I'm ever allowed to leave the house. I don't even go to school. Aunt Sarah hired a nun to teach me here. She has taught me to read and write better, but she has also made me memorize the names of all the apostles. We're currently working on all the saints. It makes me angry. Their Jesus talks about love in the Bible over and over, 
but they want to kill our people, and they call us heathens. That's what they call me, under their breath or to my face, because I argue with them, because I defend the Lakota. I tell them Indians aren't savages. I tell them Indians value honor and kindness and know nothing of greed. Then I get locked in my room. Buck, I have tried to make a life for myself here. I really have. But I can't forget Running Bear or Two Ponies. I can't forget my time with the Lakota. I can't shake off my spirit and throw it into the fire with my doeskin dress. I will never forget that I am Lakota. Because of that, no one wants me here. They want a pure white Jenny Tompkins, not Eagle Feather. I can't stay. I never get to walk by a lake or, and pick berries or stand in the sun just to feel its rays on my skin. I can't live my life alone like this with only Aunt Sarah and the nun for company. No white man will want me. The few that have come calling, with Aunt Sarah's permission, of course, have said such terrible things about the Indians. I know they all feel that way. I wouldn't want them either. I miss you. I know we only knew each other for a short time, but I feel that you understood me in a way that no one has since I left the Lakota. You love your Kiowa people even though you are not with them. You feel the sting when the others in town say they should all be killed. You probably get the same reaction from white women that I do from the men. I realize this is very forward of me, but I felt I had to try. Either way, I'm leaving. Aunt Sarah gave me a silver hand mirror that had belonged to my mother. I miss her, but I know her spirit is in, not in such a thing. I snuck out through the window last night and sold it. I now have money for the stage. It leaves tomorrow and will take five days to reach St. Joseph. If you'll have me, please meet me there. If you don't come, I'll understand. I'll find some place, but I won't go back to Aunt Sarah. Chapter 1 Buck folded the letter quickly and tucked it into the pocket of his shirt. He was too late, though. Lou had seen it. You got a letter? She asked as she stepped up on the lower rail of the corral fence. She hooked her arms over the top rail and looked up at him with those big doe eyes. It happens, Buck said, trying to throw off her curiosity. I didn't mean it like that, Lou said, and Buck almost felt sorry that he'd snapped at her. It's just you don't get them that often. Buck sighed at her understatement. He'd only ever received one letter since joining the Pony Express, or before that. Is it from Camille? Lou asked, prying again. No, Buck replied, hoping to leave it at that. Oh, come on, Buck, Lou pleaded. I don't exactly get a lot of mail either. It's personal, Buck told her before he jumped down off the corral fence and headed for the bunkhouse. He'd come out here to read the letter in private, but he should have known just having a letter at all would bring questions from someone. And given Lou's new status as wife and ex-writer for the Pony Express, her boredom just made the letter too tempting. Can't you at least tell me who it's from? She tried, chasing after him. I'll do your chores. My chores are done, Buck answered. Lou, however, remained on his heels, like one of the dogs in the Kiowa village after a successful hunt. Tomorrow, then, she offered again. Lou followed after him, silently cursing the skirts that slowed the movement of her legs. Buck was so much taller, he could cover ground faster than her. But she stayed with him. Lately, Buck was the one thing that kept her from sliding into the despair of total boredom.
See? Now that was a much shorter chapter. <laughs> I don't know if all the other chapters, there's nine of them, are that short, but uh, this is not going to take a two-hour, make a two-hour episode. So I like this beginning. This is going to be a rather dark story, but the end, the beginning does not let you feel that at all. It brings back Eagle Feather. There was an episode in which Buck reluctantly took a job to guide the army to go find white captives with his Indian camp because if he, if he was thinking Jimmy was going to go do it and he, he, the Indians were going to get killed and he wanted to avoid that. So he was reluctant, but he was hoping he could make the situation better. In the end, it didn't work out that way, but they did get the, the white settlers back and people got shot, and Buck was real unhappy with it. And in fact, Eagle Feather got shot in the arm, and he tried to help her out. She was kind of mad at him. It turns out that her mother was Tompkins, the store owner who doesn't like him, and Indians. It was his wife and his daughter. So, and but the wife had been taken as a wife of the chief of this Lakota town, and they had a son together, two ponies, and she was given the name Shining Eyes. Her daughter, Jenny Tompkins, was given the name Eagle Feather, and Eagle Feather was set to marry a, um, a warrior, a Lakota warrior. And Tompkins didn't really accept his wife back, and his daughter, you know, didn't want anything to do with him because he was so against Indians and and he wanted to call her Jenny, and she wanted to race off and go back to the Lakota, and Buck kind of stopped her. Um, in the end, her mother agreed to go back because the Lakota were threatening to attack the town, and the town didn't want to, you know, risk themselves for the sake of some Indians. So um, she um, agreed to go back, Another woman and uh, who had been taken, who was reunited with her husband, or her husband had been taken too. Anyway, they were in a, a carriage, or uh, you know, a, a cart, you know, like they had back then, a buckboard, and they were taking her back when the warrior that Eagle Feather was set to marry killed them and took Shining Eyes back, and she was trying to tell them they were bringing me back, and Buck then and Eagle Feather go looking for shining eyes and they find the people who are dead and she knows the arrow is her fiance's and when she sees him she throws it in his face and he's quite angry with her and um this thing happens where the chief says that they can go back to their white family Shining Eyes and Eagle Feather, but Two Ponies will stay with him, and Shining Eyes was going to stay and let Eagle Feather go back, and the warrior got upset, and he shoots toward Eagle Feather. Her mother jumps in the way and is killed. I think, actually, no, I think this happens before that. I think he tries to force Eagle Feather to be with him, and Buck stands in the way, basically saying, no, you know, you can't do that. She's she he he would say he's for I think he said he was for him, but he was just trying to let her be free. And he ends up having to fight to the death with this guy. And in the end, he doesn't kill him, but he does throw his knife in and get the guy in the arm. 
The guy then throws down the knife, picks up his weapon, and threatens to shoot Eagle Feather. The mother gets in the way and is killed. Well, Eagle Feather, at that point, does leave with Buck. They uh, Tompkins meets them on their way out. They have a travois, and they're bringing the body back of her mother. And she, I really wanted her to stay. I really wanted her to stay. I thought they would make a, you know, that would work with the two of them. But she did decide to go back east to her Aunt Sarah to try to make it in the white world, and she was dressed in Western clothes. And they said goodbye, and we never heard from Eagle Feather again. So I decided to bring Eagle Eagle Feather back with this letter. And I think it does, you know, keep her characterization. She really was... She she got mad at Buck because he was staying in the white world. It's like, you're dishonoring your Kiowa people. I mean, she was very much Lakota. And she she really, you know, decided, you know, she was she was a young child when she was taken. And she really felt she was Lakota. Um, and she wouldn't stay with her father. She would go back east, but she wouldn't stay with her father. And then I like this playful nature between Buck and Lou. And this is a nice way to open even a dark story if you're trying to write. It's have this, you know, kind of bantery, um, pleasant opening. And, you know, so I like, you know, I want to be your more of a friend, the kind that reads my mail, <laughs> you know. And then, you know, her getting all excited about the prospect of a chance for Buck to have, you know, someone who, who would love him and, and accept him. Um, that was really sweet of her to do that. And then I love the, uh, <laughs> foreshadowing at the end. You really think this is a good idea that it could work? Not if it's just you, but with you as your, with me as your co-conspirator, with me as your co-conspirator, nothing can go wrong. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> um, Yeah. This is me we're talking about. Gabrielle Lawson generally doesn't write fluff. Okay, one of my Bucky stories is a bit fluffy. It has some angst in the beginning, but it is kind of fluffy. And I do plan to write some more fluff for good old Bucky Barnes. But there's also a lot of angst in the works. So, um, you know, light moment. You know, short stories can be fluff. And parts of longer stories can be fluff. I mean, I haven't had... Dr. Bashir teasing Worf before some really bad thing happened to him. So, <laughs> you know, having a little mirth to begin can lull your readers into a false sense of security, <laughs> which is a great thing um, if you're evil. And I do encourage being evil as a fan fiction writer. So um, this beginning between the letter that sets up what's going to drive this story um, but then this banter and this ominous, uh, you know, cliffhanger, but nothing can go wrong, um, is, is giving the reader certain expectations that this is going to be a fun romance story, perhaps. They should know better. This is me. So um, we'll have to wait till tomorrow to see what exactly is going to happen in chapter two. Thank you, and I hope you enjoyed it. I hope that you will let me know that you enjoyed it. You can tweet me at 
at inhildi, I-N-H-E-I-L-D-I. You can email me at inhildi at gmail.com. If you search my profile on AO3, it's inhildi. Um, I set that up when I posted one particular story on AO3, and I ended up copying, you know, putting all my stories also on AO3, and I liked that AO3 let me have different pseudonyms. So inhildi is the profile while Gabrielle Lawson, Ina Coriel, and Philippe de la Matrac are the pseudonyms. On fanfiction.net, you have to look up each one of those separately. And there are ads when you read, which is not a fun experiment experience. I liked fanfiction.net when it was first created in 1998, I believe it was. Um, it was a great thing, but it has gone down in recent years. And yet, I will say, if you're going to post, consider posting there. Consider posting in both because i find some loyal readers on fanfiction.net and i find that some fandoms do better on fanfiction.net i get more notice on fanfiction.net in some fandoms and i get more notice in some fandoms on ao3 marvel cinematic universe definitely ao3 star trek deep space 9 fanfiction.net really um, so, you know, look and, you know, I say post to both. I don't want to post too many places because if I make edits, I have to make edits in two to three places, depending on if I have them on my own sites, which I would for Lord of the Rings, for Angel, and for Star Trek, and, um, both Deep, Deep Space Nine and Enterprise. Um, so I have to fix three different places. If I have them on Wattpad and many of these other places, then I also have to fix them there. So keep that in mind. If you put your story in too many places and you find a typo that you want to fix or you want to fix a story uh, element, you have to fix in all those places. So you might not want to do it in too many places. Um, that said, I will also mention this. I've seen on some of the, fan, uh, the Facebook groups that people saying that they write their stories inside AO3 or they write them inside fanfiction.net or Wattpad or whatever. I don't recommend that. I recommend you write them on your computer or use Google Docs. Use, use some way you can back up. I write on paper first. That's just the way I've been doing it for the last 20 years or so. And so I have the paper copy, which is not the final type version. I will um, tweak sometimes quite a bit between the paper and the computer. But I have my text copy. I have my HTML copies. I post the HTML copies. And so if fanfiction.net should fail, I have my copies. If AO3 should cease to exist, I have my copies. I will not lose my stories. And I back up my writing files fairly often. I have lost my writing files before. I learned my lesson um, on a hard drive that went bad physically. So keep, them, keep a copy on your own computer. That's your copy. Any copy you put on those other websites, their site could go down and it's gone, okay? Something could happen. It could just glitch and your story's gone. It could be that somebody reported it for some reason and fanfiction.net or AO3 took it down. 
just keep a copy for yourself. All right. That's my advice for today. See you tomorrow. Thank you.